Welcome to Inspired Expressions Podcast. Enjoy these conversations about life, Jesus, church, and so much more. And most of all, may these expressions inspire you. Mike, thank you for joining me once again on Inspired Expressions. And I'm so excited to just further our conversation in regards to discernment. So welcome and thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to have part two to this conversation. Yeah, part two. So here we go. So um, you mentioned in our previous conversation, you mentioned something that, that caught my attention. And um, I think that's happening a lot in life, but I just wanted us to just talk a little bit about it. And you mentioned when you first went to uh, BSSM that you were drawn to a certain person. When you when you went there, you felt yeah. the connection, and you went to sit. Yeah. I think it was a female. You know, you went to sit with this woman. Yeah, and mm. you guys were connected, and she had a, a great impact in your life. Yes. Is, that, is that connected to discernment? These kind of connections that you have with people. That's a good question. That's a really good question, actually. I would say. I mean, I guess it's kind of hard for me to answer that unbiasedly right right? i would say no my natural answer that would be no i don't here's the thing the reason i feel like i can't answer that completely honest or like objectively is because discernment has been in my life my whole life it's always been there so i i think i make a distinction between being like discerning and being led by the spirit those aren't the same thing and so I would like to propose that the thing that drew me to my friend at BSSM was being led by the spirit. I actually believe the Holy Spirit was guiding me to Lindsay. Um, I don't think it was a discernment. And the thing is, like, it's possible, maybe, but I think it was a spirit-led thing. I think that the Holy Spirit was like nudging me. And I think that we all experience him like that. You know what I mean? In yeah, whatever, definitely. When, in whatever way it was that we respond, I think that we have this quiet inner leading and so i think it was more being spirit led rather than my gift separating sure. spiritual things you know yeah no, no, because it was it came with compelling yogi it was like oh i have to i can't not know this person i have to connect with them i, I didn't understand it with my brain it was coming from my belly button you know yeah and uh <laughs> just I've, I've actually i've met a friend like that and um uh, we invited him to, to come and just minister to our family and and it was the first time ever, and it was years years ago, and I never I I've never met the guy before. And then, after his uh, uh, initial engagement year, we both had this moment afterwards where we told each other in the face, like, "Listen, um, I don't know what this is, but I feel like we need to be connected. You know, this like just something." Yeah, and he was like, "Yeah, I feel the same way." And mm. just like you say, you know, it was in the end it was very impactful, and mm. um, I love the fact. I know, I know Chris Valentin also shares a lot about that topic, you know, in terms of finding your people, you know, connected to finding your destiny and all that kind of stuff. And I'm a big believer of that. But I just share, maybe share if we can, we, we said now, right, we think it's more of a spirit-led thing to be led to these connections. But what, what is the importance of that, you know, being led to these connections? And have that, has that happened to you with other connections as well? It has, actually. So... I remember distinctly probably five or six people in my life, but I'm talking about my whole life yeah. where I felt that same intense pull to connect with them or whatever. And oftentimes I was conscious of the pull before any kind of interaction happened. <clears throat> like I didn't meet 
most of these people before I felt this like pull and I knew like twice it happened to me in high school. There were these two different people at different times in my high school career. Once when I was a sophomore and once when I was a junior. Um, man, I'd love to tell you those stories, but I don't know if that's like relevant to this conversation. So I had like five or six people that that happened to me. And I remember being fascinated. Like I remember arguing with this thing inside me. Like, I don't want to talk to them. Like, no, I'm not going to go there. Like there was a part of me that was like, no. And I'm, then I'm like, who am I arguing with right now? Like, why, why am I having this inner dialogue? Who am I talking to? It was like, because I didn't believe God talked to me like that back then. So I didn't understand. I was just aware I'm resisting something that's pulling me toward them. And so I became conscious something else is operating in this than just my mind or just my will. Something else is participating and I'm like resisting it. And so once I like caught that that was happening, I was like, I think this might be the Lord. And so I instead, like regardless whether it was God or not, I decided I'm going to follow this through. I want to explore. I want to experiment. I want to discover. Is there something here? And so I opened myself up, my consideration, if you will, to who is this person and why would I connect with them? And so I just reached out and initiated it. And they didn't always like grab on right away. You know what I mean? They were like defensive and, and fearful and whatever. Um, in these two instances at least. And then as I continued to persist and pursue them, they became really close friends of mine. And I like my impact in their life changed their life. And it's been so cool to watch them over the years, you know, become who they are. Uh, so yeah, that's, I've had that happen probably five or six times in my whole life. I don't think it happens all the time for me. Yeah. Okay. That's great. No, I, I just, it's just like something on the side. I think it's, Really important to to act on to act on the agreed yeah totally and um, it is for sure and you don't get to know what's going to happen but you know yeah. you can feel the invitation and the people who say yes I think beautiful things happen you know yeah, definitely all right so um what is your advice in terms of um start to start using and and I want to say testing discernment in relationships. Like what, what would your way, what would your way to be like, how do you, how do you go to this? How do you start this? You know, like start discovering, adventuring, testing this gift on relationships. Um, my advice starts in a negative place okay. and not because the gift of discernment is negative. It's not. <clears throat> but the reason I would advise in this direction is because I find that people are a lot more respectful they are more willing to recognize and accept negative information than positive information. Yeah. They're more willing to believe negative than positive. I don't know why it's a bummer. It shouldn't be that way, but that's been my experience. <clears throat> so I find that if I start with negative with people, if I help them understand how the, the dark side is working and they can recognize it, then they're a lot more willing to consider and believe the good side as well. That's not true for everybody, but especially people who don't necessarily operate according to the spirit or aren't aware of this gift in their life or whatever. I think that if I can clarify for them how they're negatively being affected by the spirit realm and they recognize it, they're more willing to recognize the Lord and truth and yeah. that kind of stuff as well. Mm. Um, so if I'm speaking to a broader audience, I would say a place I would start with discernment in my relationships is finding the courage and the language to say no to things happening in your relationships that you don't like. Okay. Um, most of us usually, especially Christians. I don't want to, I don't want to uh, jump in there, but can you maybe give me an example of that? Like, like to say no, you know, in discerning, yeah. to say no. Sure. Of yeah. So, with <laughs> 
Yes, I can give you lots of I can give you lots of examples. Um, hang on, my roommate started the dishwasher, and I think it's going to make some noise. Let me go stop it real quick. Yeah, sure. Um, an ex man, I'm trying to think of like a simple, like a, a not involved example. Because oftentimes these, when I say no, when I've said no, it, yeah. it, it evolves into a big, you know, I would say, okay, for example, I had this guy I was going to college with and he and I didn't know each other very well, but we had a lot of mutual friends and we both heard about each other and both had heard really good things. And so we were, and we had a American studies class or something together. Yeah. And so we sat next to each other in that class and we're just getting to know each other and just friendly or whatever. And within the first um, like week or so of being around this person, a couple of weeks probably, I could feel his anointing like knocking on my door, if you will. Yeah. Um, there was a thing on his life for leadership and influence and whatever. And I could feel it compelling me to want to submit to his life and contribute and be able to like serve in a particular way. Mm. And I was like, conscious of it. I was like, Oh, this is fast. This is when I was starting to wake up to this, to the discernment in my life and started to pay attention and like do stuff about it. So I was like, <clears throat> wow, I can, this is his anointing. This is fascinating. And I could feel like if I said yes to him in this space, it was going to make me in a vulnerable position, put me in a vulnerable position or whatever. But I was like, this is a good thing. It's beautiful. It's powerful. It's right. It's good. It's the Lord. I'm going to say, yes, I'm going to choose to be in a submitted role, not for who he's going to be in my life, but how I'm going to be postured toward him. Right? So I said yes to that. And then one day in class, like a couple weeks later, there was a kid three or four rows down from us in class. And this kid like was carrying self-hatred and rejection and um, a bunch of not great stuff in his life. And he spoke up in the middle of class about something and made some kind of derogatory comment about something. And he didn't have the authority in the room to say it. He didn't have the favor. And immediately when he said it, I'm like, oh, come on, dude. Like, why you got to talk like, not right now? Why are you saying that? But then like a couple of seconds later, my buddy who has a bunch of people around him who respect him and like look up to him, he like made fun of the kid, mocked it. And I immediately felt betrayed and lied to him like, whoa, something's wrong. Um, <clears throat> and so once I felt that like tear in the spirit, I yeah. knew I had to say something if he and I were going to actually have a functioning relationship. So I pulled him aside after class and was like, dude, you're a leader, man. Like the Lord has highlighted you to influence people. People are going to follow you. They respect you. They look up to you. You're hilarious. You're brilliant. These things are all true about you. And these are the ways that I see you impacting the world today in class when that happened. And then you said this, dude, that was a violation of your influence. That was not supposed to happen. And I don't think that I would respond the same way to everyone. I'm responding that way to you because of who you are and what you carry when you do this, blah, blah. And I'm like explaining to him like his value and his dynamic and then what happens when he chooses evil because the thing is like he was in a he partnered with a mocking spirit in that moment it wasn't just his clever wit he was like partnered with the enemy and so <clears throat> anyway i pointed that out to him and there was a risk i didn't know how he's going to respond you know like i don't yeah. know if he'd get mad or like push me away he actually like turned in and was like dude i've never heard anybody say this to me before but i know exactly what you're talking about and that thing has happened in my life for so long and i never knew what it was yeah thank you for saying something and blah, blah. And we got closer because of it. Yeah. But I had those kinds of conversations a lot with yeah. people I was cl close to people. I was growing close to people. I didn't know super well. Like I was experimenting in a lot of different relationships and it sounds like that. I basically like affirm the truth about who they are. Like my gift of discernment is like 
explaining what I'm aware of about what they carry in the spirit, their unique design, yeah. right? Their unique assignment that I'm conscious of or whatever. And then I'm explaining how this partnership with evil is violating mm. how they're actually meant to be participating in the world they live in. And by helping them understand that discrepancy, I'm, it's less of like, oh, I'm accusing them or I'm mad at them. Yeah. It's more like, hey, dude, you're choosing this and it's having this effect and my gift is just firing off. I'm not, I don't want to feel this way. I'm just letting you know, like, this is what I'm aware of. And they're like, whoa, you know, does that answer your question? Yeah, no, definitely. Was, okay. there ever, was there ever a case where it didn't go off that well, where it wasn't received? In yeah, that's, yeah, people ask that sometimes and I want to say yes, but here's the thing. And I'm not trying to like cop out of this answer. That's fine. <laughs> I, in my journey of learning this stuff, I obsessed over the victories, the successes, whatever kind of progress or breakthrough I experienced, I obsessed over that. I, was, I focused on it. I dwelled on it, meditated on it, continued to look for it. Any kind of failure I ignored because I had to have this resolve that I am going to grow in this area. I'm going to change. No one around me is doing this. I need to explore this. Um, and so I think there are probably times where it did not go well, but I don't remember them a ton. Um, I don't have a ton of details like I do of the victories, you know, and it's not because it didn't happen. I just didn't dwell on it. It wasn't that kind of information wasn't helpful for me to make progress. So I don't have a lot of record. Yeah, no, I don't. So the answer is yes, but I don't have details on those ones. <laughs> okay. It's, it's actually quite interesting that you, that you mentioned, you know, you said you uh, actually felt his anointing, like, you know, influencing you. And um, yeah. I've actually said that like years ago, but I, I don't think I was, I, I, had, I had the revelation of what it actually was, you know, because I've made that statement in the past. I said, when I spoke to people, I said, listen, I can feel the type of anointing on your life. I can literally feel it like you describe it now. It hits you, you know, whatever. I, I've in my in my life, I've experienced that. Like, talk to someone, all of a sudden, I can just sense the anointing on on their lives. And I don't think I think I'm a bit guilty. I didn't always take it further and journey with God about this and get getting more specifics and details and so on. But I mean, I think that is the reason why we're having this discussion tonight is to opening up this platform, you know, because this is like you said last time, it's new ground. There's no there's not a lot of language for this. I mean, the yeah. church bit. And I think people, I think people all around are maybe experiencing these things, but they're not really sure what's going on. Totally. So, yeah. So that is a, that is a great story. And um, what is your, what is your advice in terms of when people is, or let me ask this first. Does it actually happen a lot that people partner with the wrong spirits unknowingly? Like you said, this guy was yes. actually partnering yes. with the wrong Yes, spirit. yes, yes. Absolutely. Um, sometimes it happens all the time. Is it? And and sometimes is it like real bad? You know, like the things they are partnering yeah. with, is it like really affecting them in a very unhealthy way. Yes. Yeah, Yohi, I would say that the majority of people's dysfunction in the world is coming from them partnering with the enemy in ways they didn't realize that are costing them significantly. It's not that God's far away or distant or unresponsive or doesn't care. It's that they have said yes to the enemy instead of the Lord in a place in their life where they're trying to be cared for or provided for or defended or empowered or whatever. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's like the problem in the world is we're agreeing with like false suitors rather than saying yes to the bridegroom in who he is in our lives. Okay. Yeah. And then obviously um, in the setting where, where people are agreeing with with negative spirits, the wrong powers. Um, your number one, 
I want to say your, your, what you would prefer would be from a relationship, from discernment, having a discussion with them, affirming, affirming what you believe about them, or is there a whole other process that needs to be, you know, do you first need to pray about it? Ask God in the first place, you know, should I actually discuss with this person what I'm actually discerning? Is there moments, obviously you said last time from relationships, there's moments where you, you don't confront someone, you know, um, what, what, what is your way? I'm just asking, um, I'm just think, thinking about a lot of people outside who thinks, okay, I've got the gift of discernment and I'm going to, you know, call it, call out everyone, you know, in my relationships, I'm going to practice, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. I want to just step out right out and say that I don't advise that. It's not a good idea to call out everybody. It's not what your gift's for. It's not helpful. It'll actually harm you and other people by doing that. So I don't think that's a good idea. Um, I don't know that I would say that you need to pray every time you pick up something that you need to address. I'm not saying don't pray. I think if that's important or helpful, then for sure. But I think the reason we would pray is because we don't know. Um, I think that as we grow in our in intimacy with the Lord and our maturity and how we partner with him and the gifts that he's given us, there's less of a prayer time and more of a continuous state of prayerful mindfulness with the Holy Spirit in how we engage with the world we live in and respond to the things around us. So I'm not going to say don't pray, but I'm going to, I do want to say prayer doesn't have to be an event necessarily. I think that we start out, there kind of like training wheels on your bicycle, right? You start off with training wheels and there's a certain way you ride your bike and there's certain capabilities you can and can't do with those kinds of that kind of support. But you get to a point in your faith with the, with your, your walk with the Holy spirit, where it's not that prayer goes away, but there are times where prayer functions differently than I'm going to go in my prayer closet, fold my hands, close my eyes, say things out loud. Like it's not necessarily that. Um, and so there are oftentimes where I'm confronting someone and I, the Lord and I are con communing, like we are sorting through things and it's not happening. None of it is happening in English. You know what I mean? And it's, I would say that, I mean, I would argue like there's prayer happening there, but it doesn't look like what people would identify as prayer. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I don't want to say don't pray. I'm just saying like, it's, it's probably not as, um, clunky and formulaic as I've seen Christians treat their spirit life. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, it's a lot more organic and fluid and more of like a confession than anything else. And as we continue to learn how to uh, like acknowledge the Lord and all of our things and figure out how do we say yes to him in the given circumstance, we get better and more familiar with how he like expresses himself as us. And pretty soon you don't have to think about it anymore. It's not necessarily autopilot. Sometimes it is, but because your soul will create, will start forming structure that it learned from spirit. A lot of us like want to lead with our brains, our minds, but your mind is not supposed to lead this path. Like it's your mind is not the one who knows how to engage with the environment or follow the Holy spirit or listen to him or believe what God's saying. Your mind is there as a servant to your spirit and is there to take notes, to learn, to observe, to keep track of things, to analyze, to logically break apart. Like your mind is there like a student, like an intern studying and learning and then supplying information that's convenient or helpful. Your mind is never the driver. At least it shouldn't be. It is, your mind is not supposed to sit on the throne of your life. Your mind is there to serve the throne. Your spirit man is there with Jesus. Yeah. You died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God that's where we are. And then our mind as a, an extension of our being that's here to serve us is there to learn from what is being released. 
right? Yeah. And so I don't know that you need to pray every time you're about to confront somebody or discern a thing. It, I would say do what the Holy Spirit's doing. That's my answer. And yeah. a lot of people, when I say that in their Christianity, it means, oh, I'm going to go pray and figure out what the Holy Spirit's doing. I'm like, it shouldn't be that way. Yeah. There should come a point in your intimacy with the Lord where you don't have to go find him. He found you and you've learned how to simply agree with that river of living water that's coming out. That's so good. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That, I love that. You know, I actually, I think I read this actually like recently, uh, I think it's one Corinthians two. It talks about the Holy spirit, you know, inspiring our inner man, giving us thoughts and, you know, and, and inspiring our thoughts, inspiring our mind. And that's actually precisely as well. What you're saying now is the mind inspired from the spirit, you know, and yeah. it's serving the spirit, you know, so that's actually great. Yeah, totally. And then one thing I want to throw in there too, that might be helpful. This is more practical. And I, You'll hear some of this stuff has been harder for me to come by than others because a lot of what I'm teaching in the discerning of spirits stuff is basically me trying to find the language to translate what I've been doing for a long time. I'm trying to find the English that conveys to people as accurately as I'm able to how this stuff works because the spirit realm is a wild circus of an experience. It's, <laughs> it's not chaotic. There's definitely order and yeah. law in place, right? But it's a lot less restrictive and like legalistic than we like to treat morality out here. Right. And so I'm just basically trying to convey all this stuff in English. So one of the things that I've discovered in English that I'm like, Oh, this is how I can explain this to people. Okay. We each, this is all just like my opinion. <laughs> we each have like a bubble around us. I don't mean literally. I just, I'm trying to give concept. Okay. Let's say people rocking around with a bubble and within that bubble, inside is the atmosphere this person carries and the things that they have agreed with, the spiritual things they've said yes to, good or bad, are all mixed in there and like vibing, if you will, right? And then outside of that bubble is everyone else, is the world, right? Is the general space we all share. And I'm using spatial dynamic here to try and convey a concept. It's not as simple and clean as I'm explaining. I'm just trying to convey a concept. Yeah. And so people have this... I would call it a, a membrane around them, right? And the, this thing I would like to propose is their spirit man expanding or contracting depending on what they're, oper what, depending on what they're saying yes to inside of them. And so they can pull that thing in and get really small and quiet and withhold from the world. And so when you, um, we have things in our language, I don't know if this is true in South Africa, but in America we'll, say, we'll ask someone like, oh, their guard is up or they let their guard down, right? Um, we have language and we have lots of other colloquialisms for this of like describing people's inner receptivity or opposition to the world around them. I think that we're describing a person's spirit without realizing that's what it is oftentimes. Um, anyway, so when we're uncomfortable, people often shrink that bubble. They pull it back because if anything or anyone enters the bubble, they get to be in an intimate, vulnerable exchange with those people, which is right and good. I'd like to propose the oneness, the unity that Jesus has in mind we're expanding that with each yeah. other and we're all sharing that same, you know, but right now a lot of us are comfortable and like expect to live in an isolated individualistic bubble like experience, wow. which is not the will of the Lord. It's not yeah. wrong or bad. It's just, it's immature. Okay. Yeah. And so we shrink back, we, we pull it in because we're afraid or we're angry or we're offended or we're defensive or whatever. Um, we can also harden the thing. So we might not shrink back, but we can harden it. I don't know how we do this, dude. It's like from in here, but it happens, right? I'm just trying to describe dynamic. In a conversation, there are times where someone's bubble, like let's say I'm talking to them and their bubble 
can push past me and then I end up getting pushed into it. And I'm not trying to get in, they're actually trying to get me in, right? Mm -hmm. We're talking and I'm just giving them feedback or asking questions or being curious or what invitational to understand them. And then as that's happening and human beings naturally want to be understood, we wanna be known, we wanna be connected to, we wanna be valued and celebrated. So if someone's giving us that kind of response, they're gonna naturally want to pull us into their bubble, if you will, right? So sometimes I've noticed when that happens, there's a point in this exchange where I, before I, that bubble passes me, before I get into it, I have a certain level of responsibility in this exchange. Once I'm past their membrane and I've touched, I've made contact with what's going on inside, my responsibility has changed. And now I am accountable for a greater degree of involvement than I was before I made contact with any of that substance. This is happening in the spirit realm. I don't think a lot of people know how to think about this, but I think people who experience this probably are like, oh my gosh, totally, that's a thing. Your responsibility, what you are accountable for in the spirit realm changes the moment you make contact with whatever is going on inside their membrane, right? Mm -hmm. So oftentimes I would way rather just be able to observe stuff and not have to pass judgment on it. I don't want to have to pass judgment on people's stuff. It's a lot easier to not do it. My life is simpler and lighter or whatever when I don't have to pass judgment on other people's situations, what they're agreeing with, what they're partnering with, what they're releasing. It's easier not to, right? And I, it came out of experience over years of doing this. I've learned, man, it's, it costs energy to pass judgment on that stuff. Because when, you, when we pass judgment on things, we are binding ourselves to something, right? Which is not wrong or bad, it's actually necessary, but it is a delicate business. If we are sl- like sloppy or immature in how we execute judgment, we bind ourselves to like restrictions or requirements or limitations that might not actually be good for us. Like, limitations aren't wrong or bad, they're just not great if they're not what the Lord intended, right? And so um, when we have to, when we pass the membrane, we now must pass judgment on something. We are no longer allowed to passively just ignore this. If we passively ignore it, we are actually complicit with whatever is going on there that's not good. And we end up partnering with it in our own life. Whether we want to or not is irrelevant. We said yes by our passivity or lack of, right? There's a point where you need to draw a line in the sand. So let's say I make contact with someone, with someone's stuff and I'm like, shoot. I know what's happening here. My gift is telling me this is true and I'm making contact. I'm not just observing it. I'm making contact with it now because I'm contaminated, if you will. I'm not violated, but I've made contact with it. Now I am responsible to wash my hands or to eat the thing, depending on you know what's going on. Yeah. And so they may not like what I'm going to say, but I am responsible to draw a line in the sand and say, hey, you can do whatever you want with this. I just want to let you know like this is this to me. I see this, I'm experiencing this, this is not good, this should not be happening. And a lot of us don't even have the maturity with the Lord to be able to convey that response in a constructive way to the person. We might react and out of our insecurity, feel like we gotta punish this person or separate from them, which isn't true. Mm -hmm. Um, But a lot of people retaliate or lash out when they experience that stuff because they don't know any better. And I think it's because we're just not, we're not practiced. We just haven't been taught how to do this. You know what I mean? And the Lord has like, graciously fathered me in this for a long time and so i've very much been conscious of how he's led me in this space and taught me stuff that i didn't learn from other people i'm not saying that to you know make my opinion more important here i'm just saying like that legitimately happened he taught me how to engage in these dynamics and so i'm just trying to convey concept here but anyway so when we talk about when do you confront how do you know should you confront everybody i'm like no you don't confront everyone 
you delegate and manage the judgment that you are responsible to execute in the world you live in based on your proximity and engagement with substance. Have you made contact or not? If you have not, you don't actually need to confront it. It's not your place. And it might actually be violating what the Lord is asking of you to do that. You know what I mean? Um, and so, sorry, my podcast producer just arrived. She needs to set something up for me. So I'm going to let her in. Uh, hey, Ruby, I'm on a call. Come on in. Welcome. Um, anyway, and so uh, that is a huge like contributing factor to how we decide what we respond to and what we ignore. And it, the reason behind either choice needs to be love and obedience, trust in the Lord, not oh, I want to punish somebody, oh, I want to be powerful, oh, I've got, I know stuff, so I'm going to use it. Those are not reasons to do anything. It should come from a place of submission, faith, working itself out through love. No, I know there's a lot of information you'll hear. I just no, wanted to like... No, I think that was, that was great and it was very useful. Um, I know in the previous conversation as well, you mentioned that at the stage you, had, you made the decision to not actually, I don't want to say use the word like play with the gift or make fun you know, of people calling stuff out because you can or you know things about people. But in a, in a certain way, where does manipulation fit in, you know, in this whole thing? Um, Dude. Well, so for the record, manipulation is a spirit, okay? Yeah. Now, obviously, we can participate in, like, manipulating someone without necessarily participating with a spirit. But there is a spirit in the world that uniquely teaches us how to manipulate. It gives us strategies and insight and whatever. And it's nasty and it's destructive. The problem is it also works. It gets results. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Probably. Now, depending on the spirit that you're of, you will either recognize that the results that the spirit of manipulation produces is violating, is defiled, is nasty, or you'll think that it's positive and good and helpful and advantageous, depending on this, your intention, depending on the spirit that you've agreed with, right? So manipulation absolutely can come in in this dynamic and straight up, wreak crazy havoc but also garner advantage for the person agreeing with it according to their opinion it's not actually an advantage yeah um so yeah and i was pretty aware at a young age like i started i started realizing how much i was aware of that people other other people didn't seem to know in general like they didn't know that i knew this about them but they also didn't know other people knew this about other people they didn't know this could be known about them. I started learning from a young age, like people don't know this. Interesting. And I didn't understand why there was a difference. I used to pray and thank God for making me smarter than other people. Cause I didn't know what was going on here. You know what I mean? Um, and so in that you feel this, I mean, I don't know this. I don't think this is true for everybody, but for me, a lot of this, I felt grateful and privileged and honored and humbled to have this kind of insight in people's lives. I remember thinking like, whoa, this is powerful. Like, I don't know that I'm supposed to know this, but I know it and I know it's true. And I would test it sometimes. I'm like, yeah, this is true. I don't know how I know that, but it, I do. And I just had to accept that. But I recognized the, you know, the responsibility, the advantage that it gave me in the relationship. Mm -hmm. Now you can definitely use that to twist the person, to turn them into something. Yeah. You can... Like, and I think another factor here is the way that the individual partners with discernment is going to be based on what they value in the environment they're in. So like, if you have a huge value for interpersonal communication and relationships, then you're going to use your sensitivity and your gifting to be very aware of people's motives and their intentions and their potential to reject you. And those kinds of things, you're going to pay attention to those kinds of details versus if 
you're trying to get some work done or get a project done or change the mind of a whole people group, if that's your consistent agenda or goal, then your gift of discernment is going to focus on other symptoms, right? And the gift can notice and recognize all that stuff. But a lot of us as human beings are bent in a certain appetite based on what we're afraid of or what we want. And so our gift is going to get nice and sharp and trained in those particular ways. And so for me, um, I learned how to pay attention to people's insecurities and defenses. And um, so there are certain dysfunctions that I'm a, I'm a lot sharper and faster to catch than others. My gift can catch any of it, but some of it catches it very quickly, not because my gift is pulling that out, but because I've learned how to get that stuff with that gift, right? I'm not proud of that. It's not good or bad. It's what ended up happening based on my story, right? And yeah. this is true for all of us. Everybody in discernment, they don't all pick up the same things. It doesn't mean they don't all have discernment. It means they've all learned how to use their gift in a certain way, yeah. right? And we want to surrender that to learn how to use it the way the Lord intended versus to get our own agenda, right? Yeah. So for me, I became very aware at a young age of people's insecurities, things they struggled with, things that they were afraid to be exposed of or were embarrassed by. I hated seeing people be embarrassed or publicly humiliated or rejected. And so I always had the strong desire to want to cover them in that space. So I was paying attention to when that stuff was happening. And then I would step in intentionally to try and mitigate a little bit the damage, if you will. Right. And so I have lost why I'm saying all this. <laughs> That's the question you asked me. No, no, no. We're just going with it. So would you say like, for instance, if that is your motive and you're discerning, if you are discerning, uh, like you say, people who are being made, made fun of, you know, putting at the spot and you have like a sensitive, sensitive uh, hearing, you want to cover these people. Would you say sometimes you could come, you can come across like conservative, you know, like for instance, you, you always like, you know, you like, you worry about not what would they say, but how would they take this? Because you discern that between the lines, you know, they're going to get hurt or they're going to be offended or they're going to be, you know, um, ashamed or whatever. Uh -huh. Yeah, can you give me a different word besides conservative? Do you mean like cautious? Cautious, maybe. Yeah, maybe cautious. Yeah. But I'm yeah. gonna say yes. Yeah. I've become less that way as I've grown in my leadership and influence, and I've had a lot of people like follow me, and I've been coaching and mentoring in a lot of ways and consulting. As those things have happened in my life, I've become a lot less mm -hmm. sensitive to people's insecurities and preventing them from being uncomfortable or embarrassed. I've become a lot less sensitive to that. I've stopped valuing it as much. Not because it's not, it's not valuable. Yeah. Focus and bench changed, right? Yeah. So I think, yeah, for a while there, I was a lot more delicate and like proposing and like cautious about how I approach that stuff. I'm not so much that way anymore. Okay. Uh, well, obviously, <laughs> you know, uh, it's your, it's your position of influence at, at this moment and the pace you need to, you need to move at. Um, it was actually something that I wanted to, oh, so would you say it's true for the gift? Um, I know also, you know, Chris teaches on this. Um, no, it's not him, but uh, I, I teach also on this, on, on, on the gift of prophecy, you know, in terms of uh, the three areas of influence for your gift, that it is uh, uh, faith, anointing, grace, and then there's, there's actually a sweet spot for your gift you said now there was a there's a way where you you are more accurate or more sensitive to these specific types so you know your gift can work everywhere at any time but best somewhere you know sometime so would you mm -hmm. say in the gift of discernment like prophecy or healing or whatever other gift that there is a sweet spot to your gift that it works better with specific discerning a specific thing you know 
Yes. Yes. All right. And, and then I would say, um, I don't know if that's because that's what the Lord intended for me or if that's what I ended up developing. I think it's probably a blend of both. Um, and I think it's going to continue to grow and evolve and change as we continue to walk with the Lord and step, step further into the yes we have of who we, he says we are. Um, but for me, like yesterday, I had five different meetings with six different people. So one of them was two people at a time. And in every single conversation, I did not mean for this to happen. One of them was supposed to be a confrontational, hey, we got to talk about this. In every single conversation, I ended up correcting every person along the way. Every person. And this is not something I'm trying to do. This came out of my response to what was coming out of them, out of what showed up in the dialogue. Even one of them was just a buddy of mine. We're just connecting, chatting about life and stuff is coming up. I'm like, dude, what is this? And followed my curiosity. I followed my spidey sense, if you will. But something that's unique to the way my discernment operates or that I think that if you're talking about sweet spot, I'm like, I've gotten a scary level of accuracy here. Um, I can fine tune, pinpoint <sighs> gaps in people's motivations or intentions. So they will spill out their narrative of who they are and why things are the way they are in their life and why it's been like that for years. And I can tell where in this story there are holes, there are lies, that's not true. And I don't have any proof. I can't explain to you how I know it. I'm just aware that it's not true. And as I poke and ask questions, Sure enough, anything that's not true is going to fall under the light. It cannot uphold, it can't stand up, right? So I'll poke and I'll push back and I will know the places to, the pressure points, if you will, to poke. And when I do, they fall apart. And they, I mean, I think at this point, it's almost, almost 100%. It's not 100, but it's very high. Almost 100% of the time, they end up at the end of this conversation being like, no, you're absolutely right. That's absolutely true. That is happening. I did not see that, blah, blah, blah. And they end up getting to like do something different about their life because they weren't conscious of it. And I'm not trying to be right or to expose them. Yeah. I want the truth, right? I want the light for these people and for myself. I don't want to sit here and listen. And some of this was selfishly motivated for a while. I just didn't want to listen to people lie to me anymore. It was exhausting. I was just tired of keeping up with people's fake stories and trying to pretend like I believed them when it didn't because it's not true. And it's like, it's not fair for me to have an opinion about their, it's not fair. It's not fair for me to have an opinion about their life they don't have and me be more right than them about their own life. Like, that's ridiculous. That's, they don't, people don't accept that socially. It's like offensive or arrogant for you to you know, convey those things. But it was exhausting because I was pretending for such a long time that everything people told me I believed. Like, yeah, okay, sure, that's true. Sure you are. Of course you did that. Of course that's true about you. Of course that's why that sucks in your life. You're right. You poor, you know, I did that for so long and it was exhausting it was wasting so much energy and time pretending and so when i had this renaissance like 10 years ago and just like a reformation in my life it was a revolution i changed and i was like i'm not doing this anymore not out of rebellion but out of a desire to fully show up in my life and live my story and i was like in order for me to live mine i can't keep pretending like all theirs are true and so i finally started saying no which is where the confrontation thing came in and the language and learning how to do this stuff um but anyway in all of that um, my sweet spot is I can come in and pinpoint where someone is lying to themselves, where they've accepted a narrative that is false. And because they believe the falsehood, it produces all manner of dysfunction or disappointment or fr frustration or regret. And I'm like, Hey, we can change that. If you're willing to wake up, this isn't true. And I've gotten scary accurate. So I would say that's a sweet spot for me. I don't know if that God intended for me to always to get there, but that's where I've ended up at this point. <laughs>
<laughs> well, uh, it's great. You know, it's great exploring and hearing the stories, you know, and your story. You mentioned your spidey sense. You know, I think we can call it yeah. your spirit sense, you know. Yeah, right. Totally. But um, I think in closing, Mike, I just wanted to ask you, was there, um, was there times in your life where you had, uh, I want to say like demonic encounters or, you know, where you actually had to discern and you could discern like the specific maybe spirit assigned to attack you right now, you know, um, or to. That's a good question. Um, I'm going to, uh, my initial response is no. I don't think that I've had a, <laughs> um, I haven't had a ton of demonic encounters and I know I've heard lots of stories and I've participated in lots of deliverance and things. So I'm aware of that world. I haven't personally experienced a lot of that myself. Um, this one time that I was pretty conscious of a spirit that was sent to my room to harass me or frustrate me, it was a pretty defining moment for in my life and actually changed my life, like my response to that moment. Um, in hindsight, I actually don't think it was an evil spirit. I think, I think it was the Lord. And I think that my response to him was so negative because my intention was untrusting. I didn't want to do what he was asking me because I didn't understand it. I didn't fully like, I didn't have all the answers I wanted. And so I interpreted the Lord, interpreted the Lord as a threat, which, you know, you're naturally going to like assign to the enemy, yeah. but it wasn't the enemy. It was, I was the enemy. You know what I mean? I was the enemy of God. I was saying no, if you will, to yeah. what he was leading me to. And it was a very specific time in my life. There was a specific directional thing going on in that season. And I was saying no to him. Yeah. So that to me sticks out, but it wasn't, I don't think it was demonic. I think it was actually uh, me being on the wrong side of things. But besides that, I don't have a ton of demonic encounters i think the lord has delivered me a couple of times in my life of stuff that i didn't realize was a thing yeah. but it wasn't it wasn't with other people it happened in like divine sovereign encounter moments you know and so it wasn't a demonic encounter it was like the lord removed something that might have been demonic i don't even know i can't tell you because i wasn't conscious of it back then and when it left i was aware of a difference but i didn't know that there was a spiritual you know presence occupied yeah so yeah sorry that that is that's actually no i was just uh you know, also again, just trying to get some language, you know, I've, myself personally, I've had some encounters in the past and it seems that some of them I could actually afterwards discern like this was a thing, you know, coming to attack me, you know, this type of thing or whatever. But now that that's more specific, specific demonic encounters. But I think mm -hmm. after the encounter, I think definitely I was built up and, you know, had more, uh, intimacy and authority because of the way that I could discern, you know, what was going on and actually say mm -hmm. no and whatever, resist if you will. But are you, you saying that that was actually the Lord in, you know, that's actually quite funny because I think that actually ha uh, happens a lot to people. And I don't, I think they get frustrated. They don't know what's going on. And um, I have this thing also, one of the messages that I share. Um, and I actually ask this question now, like today to myself something that's going on in my life when I'm asking him that this frustration could be you and not something else. And I'm, you know, I'm asking him because the story of, of Jonah, where he gets thrown into the sea, you know, from running of God. And, and we all, we all, me as a child, I've interpreted that story like poor Jonah, he got swallowed up by a fish, you know? And I think mm -hmm. that's how most of us as from little children, we, we interpret that that story like poor Jonah he was swallowed by a fish and he had to endure that for three days uh, oh I never felt bad for him I was like well he was a bad boy <laughs> well <laughs> that as well but in in reality um he was going to die 
and the fish saved him. God saved him through the fish. And mm. so he was, I want to say like grace. Grace was very uncomfortable in his life mm. for that three days, you know? So good. And that's the yeah. thing that I've realized that sometimes in our lives, grace is actually wow. very uncomfortable. Wow. And I've been asking myself this question, you know, like this uncomfortability that I'm experiencing now, maybe is the grace of God, you know, maybe I'm just yeah. interpreting as an attack or interpreting it as something strange or something weird, but God is actually saving me in this process, you know? So going yeah, back to your so story, cool. I've just, you know, sometimes I think we, we get these encounters and we like, what the heck is this? You know, but yeah. it might be, it might be him, you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. So, That's so good. Oh, Mike, um, thank you for just sharing some light again on this gift and this topic and just, you know, sh giving us some room to explore and to hear stories. I think it's, it's so needed and I'm excited about um, growing in this gift for myself and for the people listening on Inspired Expressions. So, um, yeah, thank you for sharing. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Thank you. I, mean, I think I said this last time, but thanks for obviously inviting me, but also I just love that you're looking into this and like, digging in and you're asking questions and you're curious and you're looking for truth. Okay. I love that you're looking for it. You're not just like curious and I wonder, but you're like, you know, like I love that there's that curiosity and that intention to find answers. That's so important and good. And uh, you know, it draws revelation. And so I love that you're spearheading this and giving people access to what you're learning. It's so cool. And I'm happy to contribute. Thanks for having me. Thanks man.